Praise God. I've got a word that I want to bring to you today. That's the implications of the resurrection. The implications of it. It has implication. In other words, it has a force that is at work today. There is more than simply the authority of man and its governments and its economic force and power. There's more than the force of nature. There is a force and there is a power that is over all things. Even over time, over space, there are no limitations to the power of the resurrection. You need to understand that the resurrection absolutely defeated the powers of sin, death, and the grave. This power has implications even today into your life. And the implications are amazing and wonderful. And I believe that's why God has quarantined the world. He's preparing the world to look up to the powers that are greater than man's abilities, governments, and economics. And I believe that because of the implications of what quarantine means. When you look at the meaning of quarantine, it comes from the Latin word that means 40. Quarant is the Latin term for 40, and when we look at the number of 40 in the Bible, it always represented being set apart, preparing for change. That's what God's doing. He's preparing a change agent. The Bible uses the term 40 over and over. It means getting ready preparing for a fundamental change. Consider the 40 days that Noah was quarantined in the ark. There was being created a new heavens and earth. A new population of people. God was starting over. And He used the quarantine of 40 to make a change. Consider Moses. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt till he got too big for his own britches. And God then, after 40 years of quarantining him in Egypt to learn law and government and ruling authority, put him into quarantine in the desert. And in those 40 years, he was meeked, getting ready for the change that was to take place and to bring him out. How many of you know that it took 40 years for Israel to get out of Egypt and get into the promised land. God had to change them and quarantine them with the number 40. Jonah came to Nineveh and God gave Nineveh 40 days. 40 days to prepare uh, for judgment or repent. So the word 40, quarantine, again, was set into motion. As Jonah said, you've got 40 days to repent. And Nineveh did. Nineveh did. Jesus was driven into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting as He was preparing to change the world and preparing to walk as the Son of God walks in the earth. Jesus was with His disciples after the resurrection for 40 days. 
And as he was with his disciples for 40 days, they heard from the resurrected Lord all that he had taught and was teaching all the implications of it to send them as apostles into the earth to literally turn it upside down. That's what the number 40 means. There were 40 years from the time of Jesus' crucifixion to the time of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Forty years God had preached the gospel in Jerusalem and to the Jews to prepare them to receive Messiah. And so 40 is a change agent, and 40 means quarantine. That's where the word quarantine comes from. I believe that the implications of this is that God is starting in His church Showing the church that you need to change the dynamic of how you're ministering. It's not about the building. It's not about getting people in the pews. It's about changing lives. Getting souls saved and healed and delivered. The gospel has always been about these three kingdom things. Sozo is salvation. Sozo is healing. And sozo is deliverance. Power over the enemy. And God is quarantined us, showing us to do a different thing. He has struck down in this quarantine, this 40 days representation of quarantine. Now, we may not have a 40-day quarantine, but that's what the name means. And in that, He has struck down the entertainment gods, the sports gods, the money gods, all of the activities and things that are distractions to people so that they will get back and get ready for a world change. And we're looking for that change. And may I say this, you are the change agent. That's what's going on. You know, I'm reminded over and over, everybody was saying the year 2020, 2020 is going to be perfect vision. 2020 is going to be perfect vision. (laughs) And nobody saw this coming. But what 2020 equals is what? 40. It was there. It means change. And get ready for the change. Now what I want you to learn as a change agent is this. The implications of the resurrection in your life and how you are going to change things. According to Romans chapter 1, verse 4, I'm going to paraphrase it. It basically says this. The resurrection declares Jesus as the Son of God with power. It was the resurrection that proved Jesus is the Son of God with power. Again, that power has not diminished. That power has not decreased. It is not waning or slowing down, that power is in fact escalating through the body of Christ as the body of Christ is reaching its full stature. There is an elevation, there is a a continual growth in the body of Christ in its size, in its anointing, and in its power for these days. The implications of the resurrection are as follows. Number one, your identity. 
I now have forgiveness from my sin. I am no longer separated from God. Therefore, I am accepted in the Beloved and by the indwelling Spirit of God's own holy nature, I now have authority and power over sin in my life. The church needs to walk in that holiness, in that power. You see, here's the implication. I was once identified in Adam. Once I was in Adam, but when I identified with Christ on the cross, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, I am no longer counted as a sinner in Adam. I am now identified as a son of God in Christ. That implication changes everything. That is a son of God with power. You see, the same power, get this, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, what's it doing? It's dwelling in me. And please, 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 this isn't just to get you to heaven. Oh, I know. Just like Martha. We have so many Christians just like Martha. Oh, Jesus, I know you're the resurrection. On that last day when everyone dies, you'll yank us out. Thank God for that. But until then, Oh, misery and sorrow. No. If that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it shall quicken, it shall make alive your mortal body. Now, now the power rules and reigns in you. That's what Jesus told His apostles, His disciples to do. Now, go forth. And these signs shall follow those who believe. What signs? Resurrection implications. These have been with Jesus. They've turned the world upside down. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. No deadly things shall come against them. And in ministry, let's put that into proper balance, in ministry and for the purposes of God, those powers are released for the salvation of souls. So I'm dead to sin. I overcome sin and temptation. I have eternal life. Now I have a new identity. And now my mind is being renewed daily. Although my outward man perishes, I still got the Adam container. It's kind of dented and maybe a little bloated, but that's all right. But inwardly, I am being renewed day by day. I have the very Spirit of God in me. Do you understand that? Do you understand? Ask the person next to you. Do you understand that? Because the implication is this, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. That means that God's nature dwells in me. That nature is a nature that is holy and pure. It is that nature by which I walk. It is that nature that is baptizing my mind and renewing it from the patterns that I used to follow into the power of New Testament thinking, of the kingdom of God. You now, as John said in one fourteen, have the authority, the azug exousia, the authority to be called a son of God. That's what the resurrection did. It birthed all of us. That is the same power that births us 
as sons of God. I'm no longer a son of Adam. I am now a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You belong to God. And as a son of God, you have the full inheritance of all that is God's is now yours. That's crazy. That's just crazy. And I don't think we get that. We have a full inheritance. That means that every promise God has ever made, and they're all written down. I didn't know if any of you realized this, but all the promises of God have been cataloged. They have. God promised Abraham that he would make him a blessing to the nations and his seed would be as many as the stars. That's how many blessings are there into the earth. And, and from Abraham to Jesus, God kept writing down his promises. I'm going to be your Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to be your Jehovah Rapha. I am going to be your deliverer. I am going to bless you. And you're coming and in your going. In the city and in the country. You're going to be the head, not the tail. God is blessing, blessing, blessing. He wrote them all down. Now the devil didn't think that would matter much. Because the people couldn't keep those promises and couldn't keep holiness to God. And so he was never worried that any of these promises would amount to anything. Until the perfect one. The mighty God, the counselor, the prince of peace came. And when he died on the cross, the perfect sacrifice representing mankind, he fulfilled all the promises of God so that they are now our inheritance. So we can't stop praying. This is the hour for prayer. And so as sons of God, we ask a father, do you understand what that means? I'm telling you, the implication is that I have boldness to approach the very throne of a holy God. The God who created the universe, the God who made all things, He has given me permission and in fact favor to walk into His presence and ask of His promises, whatsoever you ask in my name, Jesus said, it shall be accomplished. I've got that privilege. Why would I ignore it? And some of us have because we've been wounded and some of us have been hurt and we had a different expectation from what God should do uh, from what we expected. But may I tell you that God has this thing under control and in order. Don't stop praying. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived into your privilege and your right to inherit all of God's promises. Now, with that nature of God dwelling in me, Peter says we can partake of His divine nature. Wow. Partake. You see, my children can partake in any of my possessions. They can come to my house. They can take anything in my house. They can say, Dad, I need this. It's yours. Whatever you need. And in fact, I'll come with it. I'll help you use it. What do you need? It's yours. Anything I have is yours. That's what God's saying. I've got... So many angels. So many angels. You need a few? Boys, go on. Go with Tim. He needs some help today. You see, all you have to do is ask. Put your request in. Father, would you send angels? In fact, let's all do this right now. I am looking across the street at Advantage Care, and I want to tell you that they are in such a place of isolation and quarantine and in such a place of fear and anxiety over there. 
22 people have passed away in that place and 50 more have COVID. Many of the people who come over here are locked in their rooms. So I'm putting in a request, Lord Jesus, would you send angels right now, ministering spirits to comfort and console your people. Minister safety and care to the workers, Lord Jesus. Would you cover them? Send angels with each one of them, Lord Jesus. Wash them and protect them by the blood. Let your gospel and the word of your gospel spread in that place greater than any virus or germ. Let your word be the hope and let Lord your testimony be resounding in that place that those who are on their deathbeds would come to a knowledge of Christ would cry out to you and you would deliver them and you would also bring healing and deliverance to many protecting them from that virus. You see that's the implication of the resurrection that I can ask and commend the will of God for something. Wow. What an implication. If Jesus is risen from the dead, then we've got the very spirit of His nature in us. He didn't say, I'm going to teach you in 12 steps how to overcome a habit. He said, I'm going to inhabit you to overcome every step and every sin. This isn't just behavior modification. This is identity change. Born from above, a new nature. I now have the nature of God's love dwelling in me. I have God's peace residing in me. I've got the joy of the Lord that is within me. I've got His patience within me. Now, many Christians are quarantined for that very good reason. To develop the very nature of God's patience in you. And he's challenging us with that. But I've got to walk. We want the fullness of his nature. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. And many, for many believers, they're in pursuit of the gifts of the Spirit, not so much the fruit of the Spirit. But can I tell you, the fruit is the very byproduct of his nature. His nature is in us. And Paul said, would you forget about the gifts? Because if you're going to operate in the gifts without the fruit of his nature, forget it. Forget it. Because the power gifts can be imitated by money, imitated by people who have authority and power in different ways. But when, by the fruit of God's nature, you're ministering healing, deliverance, miracles, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, it then has fruitfulness because it's birthed out of His nature. Meekness, kindness, goodness, gentleness, Self-control. These are the implications of God's resurrection that has birthed you into resurrection power. But let's not forget about those gifts. Those gifts, those caresses, those graces are freely given. God has given His gifts to each one of you. That's an implication of the resurrection. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's, how many of you like to have gifts? You see kids with, with little Easter eggs with what's inside. Break it open. Woo-hoo-hoo, sweet tarts. Yeah. Right? Open up this egg. You, you can't wait to see what is yet to open up in the gift that was given to you. God has gifts within each one of you. And these gifts are the dunamos of the resurrection. That's where the word comes from, the power. It's the power of His nature. Listen, He put the power of His nature in you. 
in you, in each one of us. So why are we so afraid? Why are we so anxious? Put your trust in Him. There is power for wisdom, words of knowledge and understanding. There is power in prayer language, to pray in the language of heaven and to speak the perfect will of God into the earth. There is power for faith in instances where it's beyond what you can hope or imagine. But God gives you a download of power surge from heaven that gets you to speak faith into the situation. There is a power that lays hands and brings healing in all different and diverse ways. There is a power that is brought forth that brings miracles. And so these giftings have great implication in your lives. I bet if we were to assess and we were to take a uh, survey of everybody in the church, we could write a book as good as the book of Acts with all the miracles. When you add up row after row, who's been healed, who's been delivered, who's been moved, and who's been changed by the power of God. It may not happen day to day, moment by moment in your lives, but collectively in the body of Christ, it is happening day by day in people's lives. Let's not forsake it. I have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge stored in Christ Jesus who gives me the mind of Christ. I've got access. We thought Google was something good. Listen, instead of Googling, why don't we ask God? And God will give you the answers you need. I have authority over the devil. Many of us are up against the devil and his schemes and his tricks. And Paul says you should not be ignorant. We are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant. We are to pull them down. We are to speak against them. And again, this is the hour, this is the moment when Jesus has quarantined his people to have an understanding and getting ready for change of resurrection power. The implications are amazing. What will happen if the church would once again believe our warfare is in the heavenlies? What would happen if the church once again believed that the problem with many people is that they're being oppressed and demonized and by the authority of Jesus we would speak to set them free? So many people on so many medications when in fact deliverance is what they need. It's time for the church to get ready. Those are the implications. To pull down strongholds, even pretenses that set themselves up and exalt themselves. You see, the church is afraid. The church is squeamish. We're afraid. We want everyone to like us. And there's nowhere in Scripture where Jesus said they're going to like you because they liked me. I think it's quite the opposite. They're going to hate you because they hated me. But we don't want anyone to not like us. Because all Christians are supposed to be very nice, special Wonderful people that everybody loves. That shows if you're a good Christian, if everybody loves you. That's what we've been fed. That's what we believe. But in reality, we must speak the truth. Of course, in love, with hope, with gentleness, Peter says. Always have an answer ready for someone with gentleness. But have the answer. Speak it. The implication is the resurrection happened. Deal with it. Jesus is God. Deal with it. And so let's get ready for what God is going to do. The church has moral clarity, personal purity. We love justice. We do justice and love mercy. 
We will speak against injustice. We will forgive others because love covers a multitude of sins. And we know that even though there may be sin, grace will abound to you. And I came to deliver it. That's the implication of the resurrection on my life. How about yours? The implication of the resurrection is this. I am a light in a dark place. I am a city on a hill. I'm not going to put this light under a bushel. The implication of the resurrection is I am a force to be reckoned with in this planet. I am a a force to be reckoned with on this earth. I am salt that creates a savor. I am here to speak against injustice. I am here to care for the weak, the widows, the orphans. I am to call out uh, injustice and unrighteousness. I am to have compassion and love. My past is under the blood. I am no longer condemned by it. My sin is separated from me as far as the east is from the west. I have the favor of God the Father upon me. I walk in His anointing and I am filled continually with His love poured into my heart. That's the implication of the resurrection. God is working all things together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. So where I walk, good walks. What I put my hands to, the mess I make, God is still going to use that thing. Thank you, Jesus. He knows I make messes wherever I go. But He loves the creativity. He just says, be available and watch what I can do. Yeah, the implication of the resurrection is I have access to the throne of God. I have peace with the Father. I have full justification accepted in the Beloved and filled by the Spirit of God's nature. Right now, Jesus is interceding for me to reap all the benefits of my inheritance. Every promise is yes and amen as I speak the amen. It's not just me, though. I hope you understand. I'm talking about every believer, true believer in the Lord Jesus. The implication of the resurrection is that that rock that was removed was the thing that separated God's promises from us. It has been removed. And now the door is open. And Jesus is operating as a high priest. As Stephen looked to Jesus, as he was being stoned, he saw Jesus standing there in heaven reaching to him. The implication is that the resurrected Lord is ministering on behalf of the throne of God every need we have. He needed Stephen to stand up for his name because it was part of the plan to get Paul saved, the one who was stoning him to death. And even in the sacrifice of his life, Jesus was telling him, hold on. And just one glimpse of Jesus satisfied Stephen. And Jesus brought him into his presence. And all of that was unto the salvation of Paul, who would then give his life for the sake of the gospel to write it, and therefore all of us to receive it, which is again an implication of the resurrected Jesus. All of this is working together for the good. Right now, the Holy Spirit is groaning within us 
groaning with birth pangs to birth the will of God through the power of the resurrection. Listen, I'm telling you, you think an atomic or a nuclear blast has some power? Nothing like the resurrection. It will ebb and it will decrease and it will eventually stop. But the resurrection will not stop until Jesus returns and and raises the those who are dead in Christ up and those who are alive to come with Him. The resurrection is a power and a force that is increasing and radiating with greater authority and greater power unto the vessels of that power. That's us. When we say, fill me, Lord, fill me, and we say, God, fill me with your spirit, what we're saying is, give me the power of the resurrection. If God be for us, what can be against us? You have a destiny and a hope. The Bible says that I have good works set before me that that, uh, I don't even know what they are. But I've become His workmanship, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He has already ordained for me to do. I've got something to do today that God set in motion, God had set in purpose. He's given me resurrection power to walk into it to accomplish it. I've got an appointment tomorrow. I've got an appointment on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, next Sunday for the next month. God's got me busy. How about you? My appointment book is filled. We look at it right now, we go, oh, I don't know what to do. I've watched uh, so many series on Netflix. What's left? You don't think God knew that you'd be sitting in a house? Get activated. You've got divine appointments right now in prayer. Ask Jesus, who am I to call? Where am I to go? What am I to pray? What am I to write? Some of you should be writing right now. There should be music being written right now. There should be poetry being written right now. There should be books being written right now. You should be recording things, ideas that you had no idea were in you. There should be such a creative flow coming out of you. You should be considering what you're going to build. You should be thinking about the next move you're going to make when you get back to work and how you're going to witness and what you can do for your neighbor. There are appointments scheduled for you from the kingdom of God. But we've been too distracted. But God is quarantining us for a resurrection shift in us to accomplish what He wants done. I want you to know that I have eternal life right now. I'll be with God for eternity. You know, when we say that we have eternal life, everybody thinks, yeah, when we die, we'll go. No, 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 no. You don't understand what being born again, born from above is. It means that the very power of the resurrection comes into you. You now have eternal life. Always. You're carrying eternal life in you. You are carrying spirit life with you. So whether this body stays functioning or it doesn't stay functioning, you don't stop. So whether this body has to go through some sickness, whether this body is in some kind of accident, whether this body has some kind of situation that brings it to death, you don't die. You have eternal life now. But see, many of us hold on to this life as if it's all we've got. No, 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 no. Right now, you have eternal life with skin on. That's all this is. Eternal life with skin on. In other words, what you have right now is eternal life with the limitations of your flesh. 
But how many of you are pushing the limitations of that flesh? How many of you are living too safely? The resurrection implications is I have power. I have the nature of God. I have His predestined purpose and plan in in my life. He's put creativity. He's given me gifts. He's given me every promise He has ever made. And I'm living for me. Come on. The implication is let resurrection life come alive. Let it come alive in you. For if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's gain. (laughs) That's what that means. And bottom line is, my grave will be empty too. I won't be there. Resurrection implications. Jesus is Lord. He's our Lord. He is alive. And He is here for you.